Let's see if we can get this going here. Okay. So tonight we're going to um, look at a passage in Luke chapter 9. Um, this is something that I've taught on before and uh, wanted to just kind of, not sure why I felt led to go back and revisit this, but uh, it was something that uh, I wanted to do. But I think I even did this on a, this may have been a Sunday night or, or even a Wednesday night, I don't know, um, some years ago. But Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 26. And we're going to talk about the, the, the concept that, or what Jesus means when he says that you need to take up your cross and follow him. I want to talk about what it means to be a disciple of Christ and look at it from a true biblical perspective. Um, it's, a, it's a daunting thing when we take Scripture and we unpack it and look at what Jesus says is required of us to be a follower of his. Um, it, it, it's a humbling experience when we start to look at what Jesus says is required of us to be a disciple. Um, and, and I think it's, it, it would behoove us to, to look at these words carefully. And as we do that, we'll, we'll kind of unpack them and, and see if we can um, learn how they, how they apply to us and, and understand what he is saying when he says daily um, we need to take up uh, our cross and follow him. So look with me at uh, Luke 9, 23 through 26, and we'll just read through that, and then we'll uh, start a little discussion here. It says, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Verse 24, it says, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. 25, he says, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. So let's take a second and, and try to understand that these are instructions that he gave to his disciples. And he was giving these instructions to say specifically what kind of sacrifice was required to be a disciple. So, so I guess let's take just a minute and look at some basics and understand what actually does it mean to be a disciple. Because if he's, if he's saying this to his disciples, let's make sure we know what we're talking about and who he was really giving these instructions to. And I, and I, and I, I really want to, that may sound like a very basic thing, but I've read in some commentaries where there are, are folks who actually separate the word disciple from a follower of Christ. And they say that a disciple is someone who has reached a certain level of understanding or a certain level of dedication to Jesus. And I don't know that I see that anywhere, but I've, but I've read that. I don't know that I can get that from Scripture. It seems to me that a disciple is anyone who has decided to follow Jesus. Pretty straightforward. 
But I, I've, I've read in, in more than one commentary where they say, well, this is aimed at his disciples. So, so, so once you have reached a certain level of dedication, then this is what Jesus says you should be doing. But until you get there, he understands that you're not going to be giving this much. And I don't see that. I mean, you're either a follower or you're not. That's my opinion. Anybody have a different take on that? Or I think, a, I think a disciple is a disciple is a disciple. And so if he's talking about disciples or, or aiming at disciples or instructing disciples and saying that this is how you should sacrifice and this is what you should do, then fine. If we are endeavoring to follow Christ, then that means he is talking to us. So let's, let's look at a couple of definitions of the word disciple. Um, Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible says it's someone who follows another person or another way of life and who submits himself to the discipline or teaching of that leader or that way. In the Bible, the term disciple is found almost exclusively in the Gospels and the book of Acts. The only exception being Isaiah 8.16 <coughs> and a couple other places in Isaiah where the same Hebrew word is translated as learned and taught. It says, yet, yet, yet clearly, whenever there is a teacher and those taught, the idea of discipleship is present. So if, if we are following Christ and we are learning from his teaching, then we are a disciple. The, the exposition commentary says a disciple is more than a student who learns lessons by means of lectures and books. He is one who learns by living and working with his teacher in a daily hands-on experience. It says too many Christians are content to be listeners who gain a lot of knowledge, but who never put that knowledge into practice. I thought that was interesting that they threw that into the definition of a disciple, as if they're, they're we're not just going to define a disciple. We're going to preach to you at the same time. You know, we're going to we're going to tell you that a disciple is is not someone who just learns. So you have to realize that if you are a follower of Christ and Jesus is alive then it is some, this is a situation where we are living and working with our teacher in a daily hands-on experience. We don't just look blindly at the teachings of Christ and say, this is what we will do. We have a relationship with our teacher. So as a disciple of Christ, we don't just learn from him, we learn daily with him. We are living our lives and walking with him, and we need to be aware of his presence in our lives, aware of the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. And so it, it's, it's more than just an attitude. It's a way of life. You know, it goes a little bit deeper, <coughs> a little bit deeper than, than, than what, what just a book definition uh, of a disciple may be. Uh, I mean, I've told this story many, many times, but I was... Uh, doing a Wednesday night service uh, up at a little Baptist church in St. Bernard uh, probably about 10 years ago. And, and I made the mistake in the middle of, of what I was talking about. And I don't remember exactly how I got to it, but I, made the, I said these words. I said, and that's why he was the Savior. And there was a lady sitting right in the middle of that church, and she goes, he still is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said, thank you, ma'am. You are correct. He still is. Yes, I didn't mean to do that in past tense. So, 
So we have to, we have to remember to, to keep everything in the present tense. So let's look at this passage again and let's, let's un, start to unpack it a little bit here. Um, so he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. We've heard people say, this is my cross to bear. People will say that about a burden that they have to deal with. People will say that about something they just can't seem to get rid of. Jimmy might say it about storage trailers sitting around on the property. I don't know. <laughs> I have to throw something and wake him up. But, <laughs> but people say that all the time. What to the Romans? What did the cross represent? What was it a symbol of? When you saw it, when you saw a cross, what did it mean? Death. Death. It was. It was not a pleasant thing. The symbolism of the cross was death, was torture. It was, it was you know, a, a terrible, terrible experience. And, and so for Jesus to say that you need to take up your cross and follow me daily, he's, he's making the point that not only do we need to deny ourselves, but we need to die to ourselves. So if we really look at what Jesus is saying, he's saying it's the same thing in two different ways in this, in this first verse. He says, if you desire to come after me, deny yourself, let him deny himself, and take up his cross daily and follow me. So, what does he tell us then if we're going to deny ourselves, if we are going to die to ourselves, what does that look like? What kind of attitude, now keep that word daily in the, in the forefront of your mind, what kind of attitude should we be waking up with in the morning? What kind of attitude should we be going to bed with? And what kind of attitude should we have throughout the day? I heard a preacher say one time in the morning you're supposed to say good morning Lord instead of good morning it's morning yeah <laughs> I'll go along with that <coughs> I'll definitely go along with that then I asked the old one time I said did you wake up grumpy he goes no I let her sleep let her sleep yeah <laughs> oh yeah yeah without a doubt <laughs> So if the cross was a symbol of death and we're supposed to, to, to die to ourselves, Christ is telling us that when it comes to where we put our allegiances, when it comes to where we put our faith, when it comes to where we put our trust, we don't have any room to put it in things of this world. Here's an article I saw on this topic. It said, are you willing to follow Jesus if it means losing some of your closest friends? Are you willing to follow Jesus if it means alienation from your family? Are you willing to follow Jesus if it means the loss of your reputation? 
Are you willing to follow Jesus if it means losing your job? And are you willing to follow Jesus if it means losing your life? The goal of self-denial and taking up one's cross is actually being free to follow the Messiah. Self-denial means letting go of self-determination and replacing it with obedience and dependence on Jesus Christ. So it's, it, and it's easy for us to sit here and say that, but I think it looks different in different situations. It's a concept that, that we can talk about, but I don't know that there's a broad brush that you can paint and say, well, when this happens, here's what you do. I mean, we can, we can go down the list and say, all right, if we are truly de depending on Jesus for everything, then we're going to go, the first thing we're going to do is go, go to prayer when we have a problem. We're going to go to scripture and look for answers. Um, you know, we're going to filter our decisions in life through the, through uh, what the Bible says we should do. I mean, there's, we can, we can go down the, these lists, right? But when Jesus tells us it's a daily thing, what's that tell you? Every single day, we're going to struggle with this. Every single day when we get up, we're going to have to reposition ourselves because it's going to be a battle that won't end. It's never going to get to the point where we just say, oh, well, this is easy. Because it's not. It doesn't just say somewhere from warring with your human nature. Mm -hmm. You're always at war with that. All the time. So you are. You are constantly you're constantly at war with with your with your sinful nature. Um, and you're 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 not going to you, you you can't step away from it. You can't just leave it in the garage and, and drive away from it. Um, it's a difficult thing to do, but when, when I don't think that people really come had the understanding probably when he said this, uh, what he was asking of you to be a disciple. Because a true dedication and true denial of oneself essentially means that, that we have to think about how we, how we look at everything in our lives. Let's look at some of this here. It says, come after me means to be a disciple and requires that a disciple, one, deny himself. And that doesn't mean simply denying certain things, but denying personal control of one's life. Take up the cross means to make a commitment that will lead to rejection and possibly even death. And three, follow me means following the example and teachings of Jesus. And we can't do that if we don't know what they are. So it means that we're going to continually be in God's Word. It means we're going to continually be involving ourselves um, with, with what Jesus... I, you know, I, I, people say all the time, what would Jesus do? Um, I'm, I'm a big proponent of what did Jesus do? Let's, let's, let's study and look and see exactly what He did so that we can understand how we are uh, to to position ourselves and do the things that we're supposed to do. Yeah, you you have some certainly straight up. Uh, John fifteen eighteen. He just kind of warned us: if the world hates you, know that it hates me before it hates you. Yes. Yeah. 
And if those don't smack you, that don't smack you upside the head, what will? You know? And, and, it, and it makes you think this. If, if the world is accepting you and revering you, what are you doing wrong? What are you doing wrong? You know? When, when Jesus promises us that we're going to, and we talk about all the time, but we're going to experience persecution and we're going to experience hard times and we're going to all because of the fact that we follow him, if we're not experiencing that in some area of our life, we're probably not being the, the outward Christian that we're called to be. Some place in our life, somebody has got to be looking at you and, and saying, oh, there's one of them Christians over there. Or as uh, Casting Crowns call it in their uh, song they've got out recently, Crazy People. It's a, it's a great song. It's a great song. <clears throat> but you're right, Ron. It's, uh, it, it should take you straight to that. And then he goes into this, this bit of a, a, what we would call this, this, this confusing talk, if you really look at it, for who, who desi whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And obviously we know what he's talking about, uh, but <clears throat> it's an interesting breakdown because it's, it's a paradox, right? And it really demands us to look at life in two different ways. So whoever lives a self-centered life focused on this world is going to lose their life. If your focus is on the worldly things, if it's on, on all the things that we've talked about that Jesus tells us we need to, to not put our trust in, then that's how you lose your life. And you're not going to find eternal life with God. So... So whoever gives up the self-centered life of rebellion against God loses his life, as we understand it here, but you gain eternal life and find everlasting communion with God, and you will save your life. Um, just, just, I mean, really, imagine how, how when he said these things, how people must have took them, because obviously, you know, we, we talk about it frequently, his, when, when Christ was here, everybody had a different perspective of what the kingdom of God was going to be and what the Savior was coming to do. And they didn't understand that he had to die. They didn't understand what he had to go through in order to establish the kingdom of God. And they, they were at a loss for exactly what was supposed to take place. And he starts to say things like this, and it's, it's, it's revolutionary. Um, but it, it really does, it really does, it should cause us to, to pause for a minute and to think about um, what it is that, that we need to be doing in order to truly deny ourselves. Are there things in life that if we stop and think about it, we still put our trust in over Christ, <clears throat> you know, I, I think it might have been it might have been Josh when he was when he was young, um, because now you're old. But <laughs> you came to me. Uh, when, uh, I want to say you, you might have been eight or nine. I don't know, somewhere around there. And you've been playing video games, and he had a concern that. The, that he was putting the video games and his enjoyment before God. 
and he wanted to know if it was if it was sinful for him to continue to play those games because it was bothering him. And and we had a conversation about that, and, and I remember sitting and talking with him about it. And first off, uh, I, th- I think whenever whenever you are convicted about something and it moves you to question it, you need to listen to it. There's a reason for it. The Holy Spirit is working. The Holy Spirit is telling you that this is something that perhaps you're starting to elevate to a place that it doesn't belong. And the fact that he came to me at that, at that young age just first floored me. Um, but then we had a discussion about enjoyment. And we had a discussion about how I said, God created and allows us to have pleasure in life. And all pleasure is not sinful. But any pleasure can become sinful if we elevate it to a point where we put it before God in our life. So if, if we wind up doing this more than we, than we spend time in Scripture, or if we get up in the morning and we, as is an example, but if we get up in the morning and we really should have some prayer time and we say, you know what, I really can't wait to go start that game up, um, there's a problem. And if the, if, the, if the pleasure gets you to start thinking about or moving in the direction of sinful activity, you got to watch that too, right? You got you got to guard your heart in the process, and and so we had this we had this long conversation, which you probably don't even remember. No, no. <laughs> we had this long conversation about about pleasure and about putting things first, and and about how um, when when you're looking for things in your life as a Christian, if you're saved, right? If you're looking for things in your life that are in the way, the Holy Spirit's going to point these things out. If you really are going to listen to the Holy Spirit and open yourself up to allow yourself to be guided through prayer, the Holy Spirit's going to point to things in your life that need to, to take a back seat. And, and that's our job then to listen and to not quench the Holy Spirit in that process. Because it's awfully easy to tell the Holy Spirit to take the back seat. And I, I say it, it's easy to do, but man, you feel bad when you do it. As a Christian, you do. You know, it, 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 it pains you. And you know you've done it. I know I have. And I, and I have to deal with that. Damn. You wake up in the night and do Wordle. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to do Wordle before I go to sleep, so I... I don't know that I can I can relate to that statement, well, but that makes it perfectly fine. yeah, okay, I was <laughs> <laughs> just making sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I missed it one night. I'm on a nine day streak now. Uh, I blew I blew a really long streak. Yeah, so <laughs> that's all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but the disciples, I'm referring to the twelve. Yeah. They walked with Jesus every day. But when all these things that the cross was coming, they they weren't spiritually tuned in, I guess. No, I, I guess they weren't. They, they were they were looking for the earthly king. Now when we study it, and Jesus never mentioned setting up that kingdom. No. 
No, it's not. I'm trying to think too if I'm trying to think of some examples. I maybe maybe somebody can here. I'm trying to think of examples of where the the disciples um, were still leaning on. Well, I guess that, that that's the that's a prime one. They were still leaning on their own earthly understanding of of, of what they they thought was going to happen when Jesus came, and and we're we're totally we're totally missing it, and which I guess falls into this category. Um, but you know when I when I think about I think about the disciples and how they came to him, when he called them, they came. They dropped what they were doing. You know, you, you literally you literally have this picture. At least I do. Of their their working, doing things, Jesus says, "Follow me," and they just say, "Okay." And, and to me, that attitude, while that may not be the attitude that they kept the whole time, that attitude is what Jesus is looking for. That attitude is what He's asking of each of us every morning to get up, and we just say, "Okay, where are you going to lead me today?" How can I glorify you today? How do you want to use me today? And be aware of the guidance that the Holy Spirit is going to provide to each and every one of us and make our decisions according to that. When, you know, when we talked about in the book of James the, several weeks back and we were talking about making plans and, and saying you know, what, what tomorrow will bring, I think it falls into that same category that when we're, if we're not careful, we start making our own plans, saying today we will accomplish this, I've got my list, here's my to-do list, tick, 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 here's what's gonna happen. And Jesus is saying, okay, that's fine, you can make your plans, you can have all of these things that, that you're gonna lay out that you wanna accomplish, but you need to remember something. I'm in charge. So don't make that list thinking you're in charge. But sometimes, whenever I try to make out cantatas, you know, I have all my books there with all the songs in it and stuff. There's some days I, I can't even find the song to begin with and make it work. Yeah. And the next day after I pray about it and ask God to lead me, it just all falls together. It just all falls together like it should. I have been so guilty of trying to write a message or put together a message because I have made up my mind that this is what I'm going to talk about. Yeah. And I will struggle and struggle and struggle to the point where I start to get scared to death that I'm not going to have a message because the time is running out. It's getting late. It's Saturday evening. I'm supposed to preach the next morning. And this just isn't working. And there's always this little topic sitting over here that says, you know, you really look at this. And as soon as you open up to that guidance, and as soon as you open up and, and pray about that, where you're supposed to really go and drop the self-dependence, things work. I, I've, I've been guilty of... of uh, Ooh, boy, I don't know how, why did I even start to say that? I better back off on that one. Um, no, I'm not going to do that. There, we, we had a pastor here in the past who I went to one day and I said, when you write your own sermons, because occasionally he would take some other sermons and, and modify them for here. Um, 
I said, when you write your own sermons, I can tell. When you preach, it's so much more passionate. I can tell that you're saying what you feel, what you mean, and it's coming through. And when you do this, it doesn't have the impact. It's just not there. And I don't know that he understood what I was trying to tell him. Um, what I really meant was when you surrender yourself to the Lord and let God speak through you like, like I believe you're supposed to do, and I'm, I'm not trying to get on a soapbox, but it, it, it changes things. It matters. It matters. And, and when you don't, when you, when you fight that, then you waste that opportunity. And the same goes for each and every day that we live. If we get up and decide that we're going to live for the Lord today, and it may just be, who am I going to talk to on the phone today? You know, it, it, it may be, who am I going to talk to on the phone today? Who, who am I going to, who am I going to impact? Um, who, who needs, who needs prayer? Who can I call and say, can I pray for you? You know, there's there's things that we can do to reach out and to show. You don't know how I appreciate getting the cards from the Dorcas class. When you all send those to me, and I, I know you know Betsy's involved, but but I I, I appreciate that. It, it's it, it, it's it's uplifting. You know, you go to the mailbox, you get that little card out, and you go, <laughs> somebody's thinking about you. And I know people are thinking about me. I, you know, I'm not, and I, it's, I'm not one of those guys who, who, who lays around and, and says, oh, how come people didn't call me and come see me and all that? Um, but it's, it, it's appreciative. And, and we can do God's work and we can be led by God in very simple, small ways that make an impact. And, and when we do that, we not only bless others, but we grow our relationship with God in the process because we're being obedient. And out of obedience, that relationship grows. And then we are blessed. Yeah. I, mean, I like to make lists. And I, but I realize, you know, as I get older, um, you know, a lot of my, even my intentions are good. You know, and I'll think these three or four things are real important. And I'll, I'll, I'll realize, well, that one's driven by me being sad at the time or confused or scared. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can relate to that. To that, I don't have a sister, but I can relate to that statement. Yeah. When I feel those emotions and I'm making my list, I'll go back to the beatitudes, and that gets me back on the right track. And where I'm saying those things aren't important. This is what God would want you to do, and that's yeah. That helps me a lot. Yeah. No, I think that's wonderful. And and, but uh, you know what? That's that's a prime. That's a prime example. Of, of surrendering. That's an example of going back to God's word and saying, you know, you've, you've recognized this isn't where I should be. And, and when we take that, when we take that lead and bring it back to God's word and look for guidance and do it prayerfully, we're doing what we're serving. And, and that's, that's what Jesus is talking about when he says to deny yourself. He really, is, that encompasses all of this, to give up that control and to say, Lord, just, well, I go back, what's, what's this song? Jesus, take the wheel, right? You know, it's, it's, it's probably been overused, but it's so true. It's just so true. We need to do it in our time of, of, of happiness. We need to do it in our time of despair. 
and and it needs to just become a habit and that's our challenge that's our challenge any other comments or questions i i would just uh again a very basic basic t discussion this evening um, about what it means to to each morning get up and deny yourself and turn everything over to christ jimmy how you doing all right. <laughs> Understand completely. <clears throat> Any other comments, questions, criticisms? Well, I think, too, like you said about even the car and, and prayer, but as the body, as the church, that's the whole active part is the functioning is to be encouraging and to be uplifting because through that commitment, we don't know exactly what kind of day somebody might be having it's just when we have that urge or when we like you say go down the list but if somebody comes to our mind how many times do you reach out and contact them and just hey thinking about you or you know uh, letting the spirit lead us you know, in all things. In all things. In all things. And, and be open to that at all times. Uh, I was talking to Troy the other day, and he got up there to see Polly. A lady had gotten out of her car, and before she struck up a conversation, she was telling him that some family member was there. There was an uncle that was starting dementia, and uh, a child that was handicapped for life at home. And he said, I just felt the Spirit telling him, he said, can I pray with you right there? Just, and she kind of, I think it takes people back. But he took her hand and had a prayer. Yeah. I mean, to follow that, to take up and follow, but it's to follow at every moment. Yeah, and that's why I think what you're saying falls into this. I mean, on, on the surface, when we when we read these passages, I don't know that we associate it with what, what you're talking about. But when we, I think it falls into the umbrella of surrender. It falls under the umbrella of saying, I'm I'm going to consider Christ in every situation. I'm available. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm available. I like that. I'm a, yeah, here I am. Excuse me. Yep. Here I am. I think those situations to bring joy to our lives mm -hmm. and fulfillment. Where, like, I noticed that some friends were, I know the Holy Spirit was leading me to, to reach out to them, and I didn't, and it kept coming up. And I had a friend, a very close friend, that actually died um, before I went to see her, and I've always regretted that. So I think we don't follow that, that can lead to that sadness, too, where God's trying to use it for joy in our lives. Yeah, we, there's a, uh... Uh, I've, I've told this before too, but there was a, there was a time years ago when uh, um, you're all going to hear my stories too many times. But years ago, when when Karen Scott was came up to me and she said, um, "I'm getting tires for your truck," and I said, "What?" She said, "Yeah, your truck it needs tires." And I said, "Well, I'm going to get them." She said, "No, no, no, I'm getting them. I'm getting them for you." And I said, Karen, you're not going to get tires from my. I appreciate it, do I really do? But no, I don't want you to do that. And I got home and I got a call from Rodney Collins, 
And Ronnie Collins said, I hear you're trying to deprive Karen of her blessing. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? He said, well, uh, first off, apparently you're a little stubborn. She would like to get tires for your truck and you need them. I said, well, I do, but I'm going to get them eventually. And he said, no, you don't understand how this works. He said, she wants to do something for you to bless you, and she's going to get a blessing out of it as well. Don't deprive her of her blessing because you're too proud. And I said, okay. <laughs> it, took, it took me a minute. <laughs> and so she, she, put, she put tires on my truck. Anything else? I think we we, we probably we probably have gone gone in all different directions, but they're all related and connected. We have a, a man who headed off in prayer, and if he touches everybody like he does, I mean, just just speaking. You know, it's like he wakes up and he just looks around. Foot is I know. I know. He's been a blessing to a lot of people. Amazingly, I know. You know, I'm thinking I'm in pretty good mood. <laughs> Life's going good or whatever. And, you know, somebody who's really carrying a burden and he takes that, you know, starts telling what God is doing. Yeah. He's reached somebody without even directly talking to them. You think your eyes are open, and then somebody opens them. Um, it's 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 kind of amazing. I know, I know exactly what you are saying, Dale. I do. That has that has become, it's become something I look forward to. I really do. I think isn't um, the first Thursday National Day of Prayer. Oh, I don't know. I should know that, but I don't know that. Huh, okay. Yeah, I, I've, I've been I'm paying less and less attention to national... Uh, <laughs> anything lately. <laughs> I, know, I know Linda kind of, kind of laughed at me on that one. So... <laughs> And if it is, we we need to remember that for sure. I mean, not that not that we shouldn't be praying every day, but uh, it, is it is tomorrow. Okay, I'll bet that won't be any headlines. No, uh, okay. They won't mention it to wake up. Oh no, no, it won't. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Corinne Jean Pierre or whatever. Yeah. yeah, she won't be mentioning it. Well, I thank you for the discussion tonight. I do. I, I love how we go in, in all different directions. And uh, we start one place and we always wind up somewhere else. And it's not a bad thing. Um, I guess we'll wrap it up for this evening. And uh, again, thanks for, for coming out and thanks for being a part of this. And uh, thanks for praying for me. I, I, I appreciate all the kind words and, and the concern and, uh, and uh, the phone calls and and uh, James bugging me and all that. No. <laughs> I know I didn't answer the phone. He called me twice Sunday. I didn't answer. Yeah. <laughs> I texted you though. I was driving. See, I didn't want to.
Yeah, I know. See, see, yeah, yeah. I had to. Well, see, I was in my hour of need, and I had I had to take the girls to the grocery store regardless of the pain, and uh, so because a man's still got to eat, and somebody's got to prepare it. <laughs> All right, we can we can continue that after we, we we close with a word of prayer. Let's close, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word, Father. Thank you so much for the uh, for the preservation of it down through the ages, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to come together here within these walls and to spend the time, Lord, just reading it and discussing it and. And Lord, just thank you for the impact that it has upon us. Lord, we know that there is power in your word. Father, help us to hide these words in our hearts and help us to share them with others when, when the opportunity should confront us. Lord, give us the strength, the knowledge, and the wisdom to share them with those around us. Help us to, to always remember to set aside our worldly pursuits and first consider you to make ourselves available, to make ourselves open, and to ask you, Lord, what would you have us do? Father, help us to remember these things as we depart uh, from this room. And Lord, be with us, guide us, and protect us, and help us to just come back here this weekend. And, um, and Lord, we just look forward uh, to what you have in store for us and, and to what's coming. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.